Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fans. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out no matter how hard it rains in my city. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 190th episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser. You can find me on Twitter at HawkBlogger. And uh, we've got a special show tonight. It has been a long time since we have had the OG crew of Evan, Nathan, and Jeff Simmons all back. Uh, Jeff, at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter, uh, you were just in the u.s for a while enjoying our internet enjoying a little bit of the sun and uh you just got back to canada today is that right you are correct i was down in southern united states for almost three weeks um it was a good run this is i'm not the most dark guy in the world this is the most tan you might see me but <laughs> Yeah, I came back to Canada today around 3 p.m. and it was very dark. And this morning I left looking at palm trees and I was in shorts. So I'm still recovering. I, I understand Evan's happiness. You sound mentally defeated right now. Uh, it's it, <laughs> my girlfriend has not been happy hearing me complain all day. Oh man! You know what we should all do? We should get. And I'm sorry to cut you off, Brian. Your no, little intro sure. here. We should get a real hawk talk. Palm Springs house with all those Patreon dollars that we get, 
I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But no more beds fun. Let's just buy it. <laughs> yes, I I was with you on the uh, the Palm Springs thing until you're talking about using uh, charitable funds for it. But but yeah, uh, just some just some small embezzlement. Well, I mean, it is a absolute fact that Palm Springs is better than Arizona. Like, there's just having been in both of those places recently, it's not even close. Not even close. Better food. Not compared better. to Scottsdale. Oh, not Scottsdale's pretty damn good. Yeah, all those strip malls are, are really hard to beat. It's true. Okay. <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> um. But uh, that was Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB, who's also been a hard man to, to track down. I think, folks, I think that this season has taken its toll on Evan. In fact, he's starting to dress like a middle-aged man wearing the same colors as me. Uh, so uh, it's one of the first times he's been back on a Wednesday show in a long time. How are you doing, dude? I'm, I'm very well. Um, it's been a relaxing couple of months for me honestly i've um taken some small breaks from the show here and there it's, it's been a it's been a season of processing uh for me with this football team and and uh i'm just glad to see all your faces the og crew it's been a little bit it has it has hey and and last certainly not least nathan ernst at nathan 11 nathan's been Steady Eddie. He has been here, not dodging his responsibilities, not going on like my tie retreats to Florida. He's been here doing the heavy lifting, talking about the Seahawks. Uh, how are you doing, man? Good. Uh, I have three children, so I don't get to do fun things. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know how that goes. I mean, you called me you, as recently as like a half an hour ago, you called me a nerd. And I do have to respond to that. Um, That's a pretty nerdy list that you rolled out. Well, well, so so <laughs> I, we'll we'll see. So so I was so excited today because I had nothing to do. I had to hang around the house, and I figured out how to watch HBO Max on my Oculus Quest Two VR headset, and why that matters is because the matrix is available the new matrix is available to be watched sorry sorry is this your intro to how you're not a nerd or this is what i look like today <laughs> no, no, this is not helping. oh my god and i just sat here and i watched the matrix on this massive screen in front of me and then i took off the headset and i was like Oh man, that really sucked. That was my first thought. My second thought was, I wish I could take off that headset and realize that the Seahawks season was some like form of the matrix <laughs> and I could unplug out of the back of my skull and just be like, no, didn't lose to the bears. Didn't happen. Um, don't have a game against Detroit that we could totally lose. <laughs> didn't trade away all our draft picks so that we don't even get a benefit of you know being shitty this year but all those things did happen and this is the season that we are living in um can i ask one question yes was the matrix the matrix actually that bad it was i haven't seen it it was awful i mean yeah 
it, I, I don't know. Like I had, I hold the first Matrix movie in very high regard. I thought that not only was it a good story and a good concept, mm-hmm. but there was like moments in the movie that were pretty groundbreaking and the way they told it and everything was pretty good. Everything else has been pretty derivative since then. Like nothing, nothing new and nothing interesting. So, so avoid it to preserve my holy opinion of the I mean, OG series. Nothing better to do. Like, just don't expect anything of it. I sure. mean, I don't want to turn this into like, I don't want to turn this into a Matrix podcast. But I feel like calling <laughs> two and three derivative. Those were not good movies, but derivative is not the word I would use. They were weird ass movies. <laughs> Do you you don't think they were derivative of the first a little bit? Like, no, I think I look at I I don't know how much we're gonna get into this, but there there was like the Menjavinian or whatever that shit was, and like there was <laughs> yeah. some they were dealing. With, I mean, the Wachowskis they they uh they 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 dabble with some weird stuff. So Evan and Jeff, this actually worked exactly as I'd hoped. So so Nathan is 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 right there at the nerding with me. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Uh, he's been outed as as everyone expected. I really did appreciate. I think it was DJ Burnett who responded to Nathan's tweet about me being nerd with a tweet from Nathan about runs on early downs charted out. I definitely didn't code up an R. (laughs) (laughs) It was very well done. It was very well done. Um, So yeah, guys, let's talk a little bit about um, what's going on with this team. And I think the first place we got to start is like, I think we got to reset. Like, what is your goal for a Seahawks team? Not this one this year, but like, because actually people might be surprised it's different for each of us. It might be similar for some of us than others, but like there are things that each of us are actually targeting in our minds of what a good, like successful Seahawks team is. That's not the same as the others. So. And let me say one thing before yeah, we yeah, just yeah, start yeah. this conversation. And we, I think Brian, maybe you have said it on a couple of past podcasts, but When we have these conversations, I think it's really important for everybody to understand the audience that we can be grateful for the past decade of what Pete Carroll has done, what this regime has done of putting this franchise on the map, bringing us our first championship. We can be grateful for that while simultaneously applying some reasonable, fair criticism and maybe hoping that things go in a different direction. So in no way are we diminishing the accomplishments of primarily the first half of the decade, but regardless, the entire regime success over the past decade, we are not diminishing those accomplishments. So I I think that foundation is important for any conversation we're going to have. Are you like pre-defending, you know, like are are there mentions here that you're trying to avoid? Uh, Like what's... Oh, absolutely. My mentions are a constant shithole. Just constantly. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's I, I understand why you're saying that. And I think uh, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe press on that a little bit more if need be. But the reason I think it's important to start with this conversation is because what we do next and what we, what we advise, you know, like our point of view and what the team should do, has a lot to do with what we're trying to get the team to become and what we think success looks like. So uh, 
mine is different and it involves some different tactics to get there. So um, Nathan, if you wouldn't mind, I want to start with you because um, I think you have a pretty clear idea of, of what, what you're looking for from the team um, and, and what you define success as. Yeah, so I mean, as much as I've complained about this team over the years and complained about Pete, you know, I think that they've been close to what they need to be. Um, Dana talks about this quite a bit, right? That um, it's you really just need to make the playoffs. And then from there, it's a pretty big crapshoot, right? Because it's single elimination and it's just a couple games and, you know, anything can happen, right? And we've seen that, you know, you can look back at like the Ravens winning it the the second time with Flacco or the Ravens winning it the first time, even though they had an amazing defense with someone like Trent Dilfer, right? Like that, those could easily go wrong. So, um, or even just look at the Seahawks, right? And how close in both of those NFC championship games, you know, very little needs to change for this team to have not, even won one we talked about how they should have won two they very easily could have won zero um so i i actually am a big believer in the idea that you just need good teams that make the playoffs and you know and then from there it, it you're just rolling the dice but i don't think that's what this team has been it's obviously not what they are to this year and it's not what they've been the last few years right they've they've made the playoffs they've won you know 10 11 12 games in the regular season but that has not been indicative of their true quality, right? And and you see that, right? That they can't even make, you know, small runs into the playoffs, right? Um, as Evan likes to point out, they've won as many games in the playoffs over the last five years as the Jaguars have. So um, actually less, but yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, not bitter so, at all. Definitely not bitter. Yeah. Uh, so for me, you know, what I want this team to ultimately look like is probably a lot what they have looked like, but with a better actual team underneath it that, you know, can drive playoff runs. And, and that's just not what they've been. They've been good enough to make playoffs, but they haven't been good enough, good enough to make runs. Um, and, and so that's what I need to see is, is just a team that can reliably win playoff games, even if it doesn't always end up in a Super Bowl win necessarily. Well, and I want to I want to clarify one piece here because I think there'll be some differences on this. So let's take a five-year span. If the Seahawks, would you take would you prefer a Seahawks team that made the playoffs every year and uh, lost in the NFC Championship two out of the five years, or a team that made the Super Bowl once, won the Super Bowl once, and maybe made the playoffs? two other times, but didn't, didn't go very far. And the other two seasons didn't even make the playoffs, which would you prefer the former? Yeah. I think that's an important difference. And I think there's people that are in that camp. And, and so I explain a little bit, just a, a little bit about why. Because I don't think that that one team that won the Super Bowl, that's just luck winning the Super Bowl. Like I know it's going to really make some people mad, but winning a Super Bowl is luck. Um, Seattle had this amazing dominant team and we're all still pissed off that they didn't win two Super Bowls. They only won one and what a disappointment that is. And again, they were so close to not only not winning even one, they were so close to not even making one. I mean, you know, they very easily could have lost that San Francisco game and they should have lost that Green Bay game, right? Uh, and so it just kind of comes down to you know, any given Sunday, 
when you get into the playoffs. And so I would much rather have that. Like, if you can tell me that I can have the 2012 through 2015 team, except they never made a Super Bowl, I'll take that, you know, over again, like that one Ravens team with Flacco, right? Yeah. So, so Evan, where are you? Like similar, like think about it from a five-year span perspective and, and what you're looking for. Is it similar to, to Nathan's? Is it different? Yeah. So I, I was actually surprised by Nathan's answer. I'm in the latter camp. I really am. And, and that you, you said it was two NFC championship games. They made, they would make it to and in lost the latter both. one, it was a super bowl win. Um, and, made playoffs. and they made the playoffs two other years. I didn't say how far they went. And then two years, they didn't make it at all. Yeah. My, I'm not saying this is right or wrong. This is just how I yeah. sort of view That's sports. So it's like, answer, yeah. yeah, totally. It, it's championship moments. I, I, I just think back to Super Bowl 48 when we won that. And I literally cannot think this is kind of sad. Maybe it's sad to say, but like, it, it, it was genuinely one of like the happiest moments of my life. Like I, I grew up a Seattle sports fan. Like the Sonics were ripped away from me. I never, I, I'm pretty sure I never watched a winning Sonic season that I can remember. Um, you know, we've had the Mariners who have been absolutely God awful. Like I want a chance at winning a championship. And those are the moments in life that I will celebrate the most. I will not remember 40 years from now that the Seahawks went 12 and four in 2015 and lost in the divisional round. I personally will not think a single second about it. Okay. But what I will remember is dancing in the fucking streets, cold as shit, crying, hysterically laughing because we just won the fucking Super Bowl. Like those are powerful moments, even beyond sports. Like it brings championships, bring communities together that were typically you know, fractured. It's, 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 it's the beauty of sports is like, it can bring winning a championship can bring a city together. Unlike anything else, especially in a time period where we're very fractured as a society. I just, the joy, the happiness of those moments are incomparable. I get they're super rare, but I want a chance at experiencing those moments as frequently as possible. Got it. Um, Jeff. Where are you on that spectrum? Um, I think my mindset might have changed. I think like a lot's happened the last couple months for all of us. And I, I had a kind of a rough week last week where one of my friends passed. And I think my I've just been trying to kind of take perspective of life and just sort of what Evan said is kind of really hit me there. And my mindset typically is more along the lines of Nathan's. I'll say that just going through a year like this where the team's just been so irrelevant and so useless, that's, it's been hard where we've all become apathetic. We don't even care about the games. Like even hearing some of the tone of our podcast, it's just different. And competing every year is just such a good feeling that you're in the mix. You're one of those seven teams. That's typically what I look for, but just what Evan said really hit me there. And honestly, the most joy I've gone from this team wasn't the Super Bowl. It was the NFC championship with the the way it, the, that game ended with the Niners, I think that's the happiest sports moment I've ever had. I didn't feel the same level, maybe because of how dramatic the moment was, but because of who the team were, same with that Jermaine Curse catch. I think that was just joy that you didn't even reach another game. So just moments like that, I think those moments are just so unique and so special. But as Nathan said, it's so hard to win a Super Bowl. Like the 2013 team was maybe the best roster assembled in 30 years. 
And was one, if that pass goes slightly higher, they don't even make the Super Bowl. And I talk about it all the time. Luck is a huge factor. Who's healthy? So for me, it is really important to be good every year and to be competitive every year. And like what New England did was, I don't think that's repeatable, but what they did is amazing. That would be the goal. But just for me, any chance where you can make the Super Bowl. And if you, I think the question would be a little different if it was like the Super Bowl and be irrelevant, like sort of like the Eli Manning Giants, they won and then they've had like 10 years of shit. I think that would be more interesting. But if you're talking playoffs every couple of years with the Super Bowl, I think that's that would be my ideal scenario. Yeah, and I want to clarify something with you, Nathan. Um, I think you might have said this, but you talked about how getting in the playoffs is luck. Like once you get there, it's kind of luck from there, and mm-hmm. and how close the Seahawks were to not even getting their first Super Bowl, and and all those things, which uh, 100% agree with all that. Um, the, is it the fan experience for you of you want a team that's competitive every year and good every year? And if they're in the playoffs, they, you know, you feel like they've got a shot or is it because you actually believe the best chance to win a Super Bowl is to be competitive and, and, you know, somewhat good every year, as opposed to having a peak year. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, I guess thinking about this a little bit more. So I'm thinking like conceptually, like the team that makes two NFC championship games versus the team that like wins a Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. But if you can actually guarantee me that over the next five years, Seattle will win a Super Bowl or not win a Super Bowl, uh, I will take the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. That's, that's so like I guess I'm I guess I was maybe thinking about that a little too like conceptually versus like, no, you actually get a Super Bowl. I will take the Super Bowl. Thank you. <laughs> um yeah. so that's the first thing. The second thing is so yeah, I guess kind of on the same line. Somebody in the chat said, you know, it's not luck to win a Super Bowl. Like most Super Bowl teams are one or two seats. That's right. But even if you just assume, which isn't true, right? But if you go back and let's say every Super Bowl team was a one or a two seed, that means 75% of one and two seeds don't win the Super Bowl, right? Like it's still like, and so that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't need the team to win one every year. Obviously that's very hard to do. Um, I would like a team that is regularly like, you know, a one or a two seed that can get in there and can be expected to have a 25% chance of actually getting through it all and winning the Super Bowl. So it's not all luck. You need a really good team and then you need luck and help on top of it. And I want them to just be rolling out the really good team and whatever happens from there happens from there. Yeah. And I would expand that a little further in that that was helpful. Just clarification. I think it makes sense. I think the luck part doesn't just start in the playoffs. I mean, to get to the number one or number two seed, a lot of that has to do with health too. And so, um, you know, people forget about the state of the Seahawks offensive line in 2013 and three of their five guys being out and Paul McQuiston playing left tackle for a lot of things and Max Unger being out for a period. And then Brandon Browner and Richard Sherman getting suspended for PEDs and then not and Walter Thurman, like there was a lot. And like Percy Harvin was out. Like there was a lot of stuff that was kind of going on, but they had enough depth um, that they were able to, you know, withstand some of that stuff. But yeah, there's just a lot of luck. I think 2014, they were incredibly fortunate in terms of health um, overall um, on that roster. They were not as deep that year and until they yeah, got to yeah. the NFC Championship and then the Super Bowl and then yeah, yeah. really got in, you know, they got payback there. But yeah, I do think that there's a lot of luck that goes into Super Bowl years. 
all the way from the beginning, the first game of the season, all the way through. Schedule. I don't think that luck is what makes you a Super Bowl winner, but it, it it plays a significant portion. I know Dana is out there somewhere like nodding vigorously. Um, the reason I bring this up, this, this point up is because, you know, when I've looked at Super Bowl teams and teams that win the Super Bowl, not even just teams that make the Super Bowl, but teams that win the Super Bowl, it is the exception in the most part that they are consistently getting to the championship game and they're consistently number one or number two seeds. I might be wrong. I have to go back and look again, but from what I've seen, a lot of times it's these, these momentary spikes, um, the giants, you know, the, the Ravens, the, um, you know, the Broncos, uh, those were a lot of what, what I think gives you the chance to be a dynasty is to be that good and that young and have some luck. And that's what the Seahawks were in 2013, even in 2012. I mean, that was a stretch from 2012 to 2015. Seahawks really should have won at least two rings with that much talent um, on, on that roster. And they didn't, they came really close, but they didn't. I don't know if we'll ever see. And in fact, I would go as far as to say, we will probably never see another Seahawks team that has as many things go right for them from a talent and roster building perspective as that Seahawks team. I think that'll probably be the best stretch of talent that this franchise will ever see. Probably. And with that in mind, like I'll, I'm with Evan. I, I can't say it much better than him. Like for me, it is all about the ring. I will take, I wouldn't go to the extreme of I'll take one Super Bowl in nine years of being a two win team. Yeah, the Giants are doing that now. Yeah. Right. But like, I would take, I would take one Super Bowl in five years and a ring and not making the playoffs the other four years. I would. Like that for me, like I, I would take it. So like the reason I just stress that so much is because this gets back to the conversation about what do we do with this team and who's going to help us get to that. And I think part of what this, all of us, I mean, Jeff, I'm coming back to you next. Part of what we've been talking about since last year, really, and maybe even the year before that, but, but definitely through this season early on was where's this indication that this team's getting better? Where's the indication that this team has an upside where you can say, okay, this wasn't a great season. It didn't end well, but we took a step and I can see where these things are coming together. I think that's the primary thing here is that we're just, we're not seeing that. And I think everyone else now is not seeing that because it's such a step backwards, but where do you go from here? Like what, what would represent a lot, like a meaning, like people are talking about the, this, this group, maybe coming back, you know, Nathan was bringing it up at the post-game show. Does Pete and John and Russ all come back and maybe they win 12 games next year. And there wasn't that much of a difference between this team and last year's team. And they lost a few games by three points. Like if they came back next year with the same guys and they won the division and won 12 games like they did last year, but they didn't win in the playoffs. How would you feel about that? Um, horrible. Um, I, I do not like the direction and I don't think a lot of us did 
I think that a lot of us thought this team was built sort of on a one-year trajectory, but it's really, we've been talking about a lot of the issues for this team for years where their roster was not sustainably built. We've talked about draft pick mistakes. We've talked about the Jamal Adams trade has turned out way worse than we ever could have imagined. Even the biggest detractors, this is as bad of a scenario as that could have unfolded. But really what we talk about so many times is Super Bowl teams usually have a dominant strength and they usually do one thing really, really well, whether that's rushing the passer. Usually it's a co- some combination of that with quarterback play. But the one thing, the problem with this team right now is the one thing that you can hang your hat on has started to fall apart and has not played well for the last year and a half. And that's where I've said this conversation has gone a lot more complex than it was a year or two years ago where it was pretty clear that when Russell was playing at elite level and there were things holding him back or holding the team back. Now the question's a lot more complex. So I think running it back to me, it would be really hard to get behind that. And you could just see the direction. Even if say you think the, the issues of the team are Russell's health and finger related. I think of the best case scenario, this is an 11 to 12 win team that probably is outside those top seven or eight Super Bowl teams. They're probably like nine or 10 They're And how do they get back without a first round pick? And what we've seen over the last five years where, as Evan said, they've won one playoff game. So for me, it's really important as a fan to just have something to believe in and have something to be excited about. And if you run it back, I would find it very hard to get excited about that unless they have like some crazy off season, but I don't, for me, that's what I'm looking for right now. Just something to believe in. And I don't see it here. Yeah. Evan, I mean, what, what are you hoping for? And, and yeah, I have some follow-up questions, but yeah. What, what is it that, what is it that your mind's telling you? Like, okay, I want to see this next year. This would represent progress and hopefulness for me. Yeah. Um, Russell's getting older. And like Jeff said, we've seen um, a concerning pattern from him, you know, over the past season and a half. I think there have been several games, a couple of games here and there where he hasn't been catastrophic, but obviously that's not the the bar we should be holding him to. Um, I think, I think we need a new voice at head coach. And, and obviously that's not a surprise. Um, that I hold that opinion, but the way I think about it rationally is like, what gives us, what gives this team the best chance, even if it's not in a vacuum, like a large chance, what gives us the best chance at returning to a Super Bowl in the next five years? And I think it's Russell Wilson plus a new head coach and a new GM potentially. Um, I think John Schneider should be included in that conversation as well. I think the chances of that combo are better than Pete Carroll and John Schneider plus, you know, a ton of new draft picks from a Russell Wilson trade. I I don't feel confident in Pete Carroll and John Schneider's ability to allocate heavy resources moving forward, especially in a Russell Wilson trade. If they traded Russell, they got two, three first round picks guys and, you know, 55, $60 million in cap space. I can't say I'm confident that they're going to use that wisely. I, I really can't. I wish I could. Um, because I think that could be an easier answer if you really trusted both of them. So that's, I think that's just where my head is at. I want strategically what gives us the best shot at returning to a Super Bowl as soon as possible. I think Russell Wilson is 
much more difficult to replace than a head coach and a GM. Although that's not to say that Pete Carroll and John Schneider will be easy to replace at all. Well, mind let, me, you. let me ask a follow-up on that. And then Nathan, I, I'm sure you've got thoughts on this as well. So not a surprise, you know, you've been pretty consistent in that perspective. Um, but what I don't know with, with you, Evan, on this is, mm-hmm. let's say you, you do exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. Are you looking to build a team that is, in the past, we've talked about, like, getting a coach that is, you know, modern passing offense, you know, and having Russ be the centerpiece of that team and that he's being held back and that this coach would, would unlock him. And, and so are you picturing this being like, okay, Russ will take a new step and be a different player, a better player, not just in this season, because obviously he's been horrible this season, but just in general, he'll be a better player and that he will carry the team to the Super Bowl? Or are you just picturing him being a good quarterback as part of a, a Super Bowl team? You understand that the kind of the difference I'm getting out there? Yeah, the hope is that we could have a new head coach or offensive coordinator tandem, both whatever that could get Russell Wilson to consistently produce at early 2020 levels or close to it Mm. over an entire season. Because I, I, and here's the thing. I know that hope may be a little unrealistic, but what we saw from Russell Wilson in the first half of 2020 was legitimately insane. That's half a season. Like, that's a good amount of time like to sustain just even even half a season at that level that he was producing at is insane you know it it broke historical records um it doesn't need to be at that level but i do think the hope would be with a new head coach new oc pairing that you could diminish or at least you know yeah i think diminish is the right word diminish some of those flaws that have really um been super present over the past year and a half how about you nathan so so like are you looking at yeah i mean first of all what are you what are you wanting to see because i know you've been kind of on the fence a little bit more than even i was expecting you to be about what the next step should be and then i I am really interested in like what do you think about for russ like what is it that what's the role you're expecting russ to take and what's the level you expect him to perform at yeah, I mean, I'm still pretty um, – I, I don't have a strong opinion either way. Um, I mean, definitely for me, I would be least excited about John and Beat coming back with no rest. Um, I think there should be some serious questions about their ability to use that capital wisely. I mean, they've had years now to rebuild a defense, and they haven't been able to really do it. Um, so I don't really have a lot of faith in them being able to trade Russ and then replace him. Um, and you know, I mean, I, I think that the, the best option going forward for, um, the team to stay competitive and maybe take that next step. It's still to me to keep Russ and try it with the new coaching staff. Um, and, uh, you know, I was having a conversation with Griff and Maddie Brown and some folks on Twitter today. Like, 16 months ago, Russell looked to be cruising to an MVP. Like, like Evan said, like, the stuff that he was doing was, like, borderline historic. He was challenging, like, what was it, Tom Brady's 50-touchdown year or whatever that was. Like, 
uh, he was he was out of his mind 16 months and so you know part of me like i think that it has gotten really bad obviously and you know brian i think you described him as like below jared goff level quarterback play which isn't wrong in at least you know some of these games um that was based off of epa by the way he was he was less than jared goff last year uh, i don't think the eye test says a lot different either (laughs) (laughs) um but like you know I do still have some small nugget of hope that like after this season, after it being a year and a half now of him really struggling, like, is he going to address some of these flaws? But at the same time, I think, I mean, I just, I, I don't know. I wonder if we aren't really exaggerating what these flaws are um, considering that again, like you don't even have to go back two seasons for him to be playing at an MVP level. So that's still where I am. I, I still think there's hope for Russ. I don't know if he can do it. Um, he hasn't done it so far. I think that's probably concerning, but I also understand like if you're Russell Wilson and you've been playing for nine years and, you know, again, you're not that far away from playing at an MVP level over several games. You're probably not thinking about how do I change everything about what I'm doing or how do I like, he's probably just desperately being like, it wasn't that long ago. I know how to do this. I can do this. So, like, I think there is still some hope that, you know, he can, at the end of the season, look at himself and be like, okay, I do need to make some changes, right? Um, but ultimately, like, I don't have a ton of faith in any of the options available to them. So I won't be too mad no matter what they do. Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's the that's the – biggest thing here and this is why it gets back to what you want like uh, what success is for you so um as i've said a few different times i've come to the perspective i i think that we have (sighs) i think we have overestimated what russell wilson can be i think one of the greatest disappointments for me and one of the most depressing things in the last two years is realizing that he is not an mvp player I believe he has had two stretches that were MVP stretches, which is the second half of 2015 and the first six games of, of last year. Um, I think I could argue that his 2014 season was his most complete season because that's the year he also rushed for 800 and something yards. And I think he was such a crucial part of that offense. Like if there's any year for him to really get MVP votes, that should have been it. Um, I, I just, I just don't have the same opinion of Russ as I did before. And so I, I have concerns if he had a different, um, if he had a different expectation about how he was going to just be part of the team and be like the franchise quarterback and just, you know, and, and if there were things that we could see that he's actually changed and improved as a player, um, I think I'd feel differently. I just, uh, it's hard for me to imagine this team um, winning a Super Bowl if they're going to build around Russ as a passer. Um, and so that's for me, like one of the most concerning approaches. Like, <clears throat> what my biggest fear is for the Seahawks is that they keep Russ, whatever they do with coach and GM, whatever. And two or three years later, 
we find out this is actually who he is. He doesn't have that much upside beyond this and he can't be that guy. And then we have nothing to <laughs> like, there is no one that's going to give you two or three first round picks for him at that point. And, um, Brian, can I ask you a question on this? Then like three two or three more years out of rebuilding in that situation. <sighs> Brian, say you trade Russell. Yeah. You get three first round picks, whatever you get. Okay. Yeah. Seattle has 50, whatever million dollars in cap spaces this, this off season. They can open up a lot more with some easy levers. We're talking Bobby Wagner, potentially some other big names that are going to be some uncomfortable conversations here. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel comfortable? And, and this is not some gotcha question. It's no, like, do you really genuinely feel comfortable with Pete Carroll and John Schneider as a combo, as a tandem, allocating those resources? Do you really trust them together to rebuild this team? So, well, those are, you, you asked a bunch of different questions there. So, so I'll try to answer specifically. Um, so, Pete Carroll personnel guy and that role different than head coach, which sure. I think is separate, right? And John Schneider. Um, assuming that the, those first round picks are top half of the first round, because all first round picks are not equal, but let's say they're top half of the first round. Mm-hmm. The Seahawks have actually had pretty much 100% hit rate top half of the first round. They just haven't had those picks in almost. Is that one, is that one pick? And that's like three or four picks. It's like Bruce, James Carpenter, Bruce, Earl, Earl, Russell, like calling Bruce a hundred percent a little. Yeah, Chandler Jones and Melvin Ingram. Went. He's not a miss. Bruce Irvin was not a miss. That's fair. I, I mean, yeah. Um, so he certainly wasn't a Jermaine Effetti, right? So like, or Rashad Penny. Like, so, so anyway, Penny's their best player. Stop it! Kill so, me. So I, I don't actually. I think you can be a bad GM and a bad personnel guy in general and still potentially like shoot a fish in a barrel in the top half of the first round. So, so that I don't think is as much the like fear that I've got. I also, I think picking a, a new quarterback, that's the other question. On one hand, I'd say they like went after Charlie Whitehurst. They went after Tavares Jackson. Like they went after Matt Flynn. Like these are pretty damning things. They also went after Russell Wilson. They went after Patrick Mahomes and they went after Andy Dalton. Those aren't so bad. Like those are like, I don't think their record on like a judging quarterbacks is as bad as I think my initial feeling is. So I don't think it's a hundred percent. They'd suck at that. But here's the thing, Evan, to really get to your point. What I think, no matter whether they stay or they go, what I want to see, what I think the number one thing is for this team to actually start being on a path I believe in to being a durable contender and a durable offense is to build out this offensive line. And the one position group that this leadership team from the very beginning has never done well is the offensive line. They haven't drafted it well. They haven't done well free agency wise. Like their best moves are like they signed Brandon Shell, who surprised us all, but he's mediocre. It's not like he's great. And they passed up some really good options to sign mediocre. So that's the thing that gives me some of the most pause is I don't think they've done well on the offensive line. And I think that they need to, no matter whether they keep Russ or not, Mm -hmm. 
And I don't know if I want them in charge of that. And honestly, Evan, I think, I don't know why my gut is, I, I, I think that's John. And I'm worried. I like, he just has always like Breno Giacomini even was like a green Bay reject. Like he just seems to like getting these cheap options on the offensive line. And I'm sick of that. I'm sick of it. So I, I, I don't know if that really answers your question. I'll just say from a Pete, as a coach standpoint, I still think that we're going to find out, let's assume that he's gone. I think we're going to, we're going to find out the same way people are like, Oh my God, people are going to miss Russ when he's gone. If he's gone. Like I've never seen in all the years I've watched Seahawks, a coach that gets his team to play as hard as they do every single week, regardless of the situation, regardless of the time, regardless of the location. That is like core to being a good coach. And so Anyway, I, I think he's a I think he's a much better coach than than most Seahawks fans give him credit for, and I think that we'll we will miss that part of what he brings. But the personnel stuff, it's like you can't out exercise a bad diet. You cannot out coach a bad roster. You just I mean you can't you can't coach it to a Super Bowl for sure. So, do you feel confident that that change will happen in terms of personnel? <sighs> capital allocation on the offensive line. Like, do you yeah, think, this is, do you think that's going to change? Um, my answer is no. And which is why my answer to your previous question would have been no. And that's why I think Jody Allen, the decision has to be very different than what it was even two months ago and three months ago. And there's been some certain signs that like, I know Albert Breer and Lock and Four have come out and they made these comments that Jody Allen's upset with the football operation. But what does that mean? That can literally mean anything. I thought Pete's interview this week was a little alarming, just talking about how he mostly feels this year was an aberration. They just need to retool the pass rush, and he thinks everything would be fine. But to me, I see what Brian said, and that's why my answer is no. And I, I don't think any of us can predict what Jody's thinking or what she's going to do because we none of us have seen her make a big football decision other than hand Pete and John big extensions. But that was a very different time. They were what six and zero then, or five and one, and. Things were a lot looking different, but to me, I don't see many scenarios where I would be comfortable bringing Pete and John back as a duo. I would be more open to having John with a new coach as much as John might be responsible. Just like, I think the best model for moving forward, if you want to sort of keep Russell or keep the gym would be sort of the Rams coming out of the Jeff Fisher era. And I think you can make a lot of similarities to how this era might end to how that Jeff Fisher era, their record was kind of the same every year. Their coach was kind of in control. And my, my point being here is that when Les Snead was the GM with Fisher, when he moved to McVeigh, he became a very different general manager. And just having a different guy in charge, I think John could be different. Say he pairs up with Doug Peterson, a guy he was with in Green Bay. I think John's decisions might be very different with Doug than it would be with Pete. So I'd be open to that idea. But to bring them both back with what we've seen on the offensive line, which to me, as Brian said, no matter what route you go quarterback, you have to fix that. So if you bring them both back and say, you're, I'm more open to trading Russell than I ever would have been in the past, I think I would be very nervous with Pete and John because of that directive to fix this group. I want to respond to one question, sorry, that showed up in chat, and, and I think it's a really important one. This is from Tommy Eden. He says, will a top offensive line solve Russ's main issues, i.e. not reading defenses, always going for big plays, not throwing with anticipation, taking sacks, things like I don't think it will. The reason for me, 
that I think an offensive line is so important is because I think it reduces the pressure on Russ, um, not just from a passing perspective, but if you can have an effective run game, I think that Russ is elevated by that. And I think that there are some indications that some of the defenses that give Russ the biggest problems that really take away the deep throws also open up a team to being run against. Um, and we've seen that whether it's Kansas city a few years ago, trying to play too deep and us running at them or Pittsburgh, or like, there's been a number of times where that's been the case. The offensive line just hasn't been good enough to do that. So I think that Russ paired with a good running game can actually be really, really great. It's just that Russ can't be the one doing the running anymore. So it's gotta be an offensive line that's legitimately opening holes and it's not some fad gimmick of a read option that's giving you a running game that made the Seahawks offense so tough to defend back then. It's got to be a legitimate running game. So um, that's, yeah. Yeah. that's, that's what I'm thinking. And about. to add to that, I don't know if you saw Dwayne Brown after that third down sack, which ultimately in my opinion cost the Seahawks the game last week. He, they, they blocked the thing like they're supposed to Russell. They call a three-step drop quick game and Russell tries to spin by Robert Quinn and takes a 14 yard sack and Dwayne Brown at the end is punching the air and stomping and the offensive line could do the job, but Russ needs to do some of these basic things better. And I think that's why I think offensive linemen have been skeptical about the Seahawks and you saw Dwayne Brown, which has been their best investment. He's still struggling with how to, and he's not, he's obviously having a very down year compared to what we've seen, but he's still struggling figuring out how to play with Russell. Nathan, I mean, what's your top priority for, for this team? Let's say that they do get a new coach and a new GM and they, they run Russell back. What's the number one thing you want to see them do? I mean, uh, it, it's in the trenches, improving the offensive line, improving the defensive line, definitely giving pass rush will help that defense. Um, I, I don't agree that rest somehow needs a running game. Um, Penny's been running really well for two weeks and Russ looked like ass. So uh, I, I don't think that's really it. Um, I mean, improving the offensive line will help Russ because good offensive line play helps your quarterback, but it's not going to fix the problem with Russ. And for as much as people like to talk about the sacks and, oh, he won't check down, and that is a legitimate problem. He takes too many sacks. That's not what's killing Russ right now. Russ needs to throw over underneath defenders that's why he doesn't target the middle of the field that's why he struggles with cover two because he's not hitting like deep out routes and corner route or yeah corner routes and stuff like that russ doesn't like to throw over underneath receivers part of that i think is coaching part of that is definitely just russ um and nothing that you add to the team is going to fix that that is something that russ is going to have to just figure out or or not um you know it's easy as someone outside to look at it and say this is your problem right but like people scream at basketball players oh why don't you make your free throws well if they like it's not just that easy <laughs> if it was everyone would shoot like Steph from the the free throw line um so you know I think that's a big question with Russ um but you know just generally in terms of the team I think you know obviously center has been uh, a hole for a while on this team it's not very good um 
I think that's really the biggest question on the offensive line, though. I wouldn't really mind running back the rest of this line. Um, but then, you know, getting some serious pass rush to try to pair with the defense, which has done the bend, don't break. If you can get a serious pass rush in there, maybe they don't even bend that much. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> you and I see that very much like. I mean, Evan, I got to ask you, dude, because – well, I'll say this. You tell me if you agree. No matter what we've talked about, whatever Twitter's talked about, anything else, I still think the most likely scenario is that Pete and John are back. And that, well, probably the most likely is Pete and John are back and Russ are back. That's probably the most likely. But really close to that is that Pete and John are back and that they move Russ. That's, I think that's more likely than Pete and John are gone and Russ stays. First of all, let me ask each of you, do you agree with that statement? Do you think it's more likely, whether or not you agree with it, do you think it's more likely that Pete and John are here and Russ is gone than Russ is here and Pete and John are gone? I do agree. You agree it's more likely? Yeah. Anyone disagree? Okay. So... Let's let's talk about what might be a very distasteful potential reality that we agree is probably more likely than the thing that, that you were recommending, Evan. What do you want to see happen? If 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 Russ is gone and Pete and John are here, like are you just like fuck it? I'm not gonna watch the Seahawks anymore? Or like, like what is it that you'd want them to do? Do you want them to go get Derek well, let, Carr, I mean, you want them to like, what can I want? just say something yeah. with Russell Wilson's salary off the books? Oh my God. Jason Myers is in for a big payday. <laughs> that extension is going to be chef's kiss. Um, Does he get a bonus for every missed kick? Like <laughs> pay off Nathan? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I guess I'll go first just because I'm talking. Uh if if Pete Carroll and John Schneider were to stay, then let's just let's just really lean in to the Pete Carroll defensive like focus and just build a nasty fucking defense with just some some very serviceable quarterback. I don't want Derek Carr at twenty five million dollars a year. I want. I'm trying to think of like a ten mil or less quarterback. You know what I mean? Like you want I, I Baker I, Mayfield. Fuck no. I don't want him anywhere near my team because I think it's going to cost a lot. Do you want to know the list of free agent quarterbacks in 2022? Yeah, yeah. Hit us. Hit us. It gets very sad very <laughs> fast. No. So number one on the list is old Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, then you have Teddy Bridgewater, Ryan Fitzpatrick, which I would secretly love. As just I would like be 100%. On yeah, him. yeah. With who? Uh, huh? Bridgewater, is that what he said? No, no, oh, Fitzpatrick, Patty's Fitzpatrick. Patrick. But boy, then you get into some... So then there's Dalton Newton, uh, Jameis Winston, who is still mildly interesting, I guess. But then you get real desperate. Tyrod Taylor, Jacoby Brissett, Joe Flacco, Marcus Mariota, Mitchell Trubisky, somebody named Tim Boyle, uh, Blaine Gabbert, Chad Henney, Brandon Allen, Mike Glennon, Colt McCoy. Why the hell not? He kills us. So uh, it's uh, pretty is, slim. Is, is you know what? Anywhere? Is this Garden Minshew? He is not. You know who's on there? Geno Smith. Yeah. What about Jacob Easton? 
Oh God. No, I, I, I guess what I'm just saying is if Russell is gone, let's build a powerhouse defense until we can, you know, the, the court, next couple quarterback drafts, at least for yeah. Jeff, are supposedly not great. Yeah. So, this one's especially bad. Okay, so this one's especially bad. Let's just lean into the full Pete Carroll defensive, you know, philosophy then. Let's let's get some serviceable quarterback and not pay him a ton of money and build the shit out of our defense. That's what I would want to lean into. This is, I know this is this is just like Bile is like building up in Evans <laughs> talking about this. Uh, uh, but I mean it, we just never even had this conversation. I honestly don't know what you guys think about because I know how much you are against this. Um, and frankly, I'm pretty against it too. We're all pretty, pretty, we're not quite on the exact same spot on the spectrum, but we're pretty much on the same side of it. Um, Jeff, like, what would you want to see? I, I'll throw something in there for you. Like, I would want them to, I don't care if it's a bad quarterback draft. I'd want them to draft a quarterback every year until they've got one. They have not done, they have not drafted a fucking quarterback since Russell Wilson. They've drafted one quarterback in their Wait a minute. Hey, hey, whoa, whoa. No, I mean quarterback, not just some guy hey. that has an infatuation. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. God, that's amazing that that's the only other quarterback that they've drafted. That's pretty bad. It's Magoo. Um, so yeah, so I mean, what, what, what would you want to see from Pete and John that would give you some? sense of okay maybe this this isn't as bad as 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 i thought it would be maybe there's some hope here for me it'd be getting the draft picks that you need back i think i think the giants would have to be the target you'd have to make with russell's trade they are gonna have two picks in the top 10 i think just getting building block young players in this organization again because we've talked about it all year like the best players on offense and defense you look at the team if when you look at the teams that built up when they had the Legion of Boom and they had all these young players growing at the same time, you look at the team now, the best player on offense this year has been Tyler Lockett. He's close to 30 years old. The best player on defense is Quandre Diggs and Al Woods. That is not a sustainable roster of how you want to emerge into a Super Bowl level team. You need young building blocks. Daryl Taylor looks good as like a number two pass rusher. I think that's a great role for him. DK Metcalf is a guy you might have to look at trading in the next year if you're moving on from Russell Wilson. And are you going to pay him $25 million if you don't know how to use him? And that might be a quarterback thing. That might be a Shane Waldron thing. But his season's been pretty much a disaster. So who are the building blocks on this team right now? Like, they're, they're going to have to move on from Bobby pretty soon. Jamal Adams has not proved to be that. He's been good, but he is not that young building block. And so I, th- I want them turning these draft picks into building blocks because they don't really have many. And Russell is your best course to getting them. And top 10 picks are what this team needs because you look around. Again, I said it, the best three players on this team this year were Tyler Lockett, Al Woods, and Quandre Diggs. That's why they're 5 and 10. Are we going to say I, Go ahead. I'm tempted to say – actually, this isn't that – really a, a hot take honestly if russell's gone dk should be gone too i wrote about that a few weeks ago I'm that not was against a, that a hotter either. take a month ago than it is now like uh, do you think what do you think the hall would be for dk i mean i personally well, i'll say this i don't get rid of dk for a first round pick not even <sighs> close like why would you trade yeah. a young blue chip for the hope that maybe you get another one like it has to be two picks 
And for me, I think if it's not two firsts, I think first and a second, you're at least like thinking about it. Let's keep in mind that Brandon Cooks went for a first round pick. Yeah. So Diggs multiple times. For, Diggs went for a first and a third, I believe. And he was older than DK and you have to pay him. I think so the conversation. What would, what would, what would the Percy Harvin was a, was a one and a three. I think you I think you start the conversation in the lowest you goes two first round picks. Jesus, can you believe DeAndre Hopkins was a second and a fourth and David oh, Johnson? That was that was one of the worst trades. A second and I a I got Bill O'Brien fired within two weeks. So Jesus. That trade was a joke. Brian. Yeah, so so sorry. So what what what's <laughs> what would you take for DK? Jeff. I'd take a first and a second. Evan, I'm not going below two first round picks. I'm kind of there too. Like he's too good. He's too good. The problem is, are you going to pay him twenty five million dollars? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Like you're going to have to pay him. Like yeah, I think yeah, twenty five million. I will. I would franchise him. I think a lot of his issues are rooted around the quarterback right now. Well, I do too. You would hope that you would target a quarterback two, three years from now, and you could pair him with DK Metcalf. Nathan, would you trade DK Metcalf? And if so, what would be your minimum return? Uh, I... Oh, man. DeAndre is getting $27 million a year. Yep. Is there a chance that DK just gets 30 Well, Devontae Adams is up this year, so he's going to get He's going to set the next bar. And then DK is going to want something like that. Because Keenan Allen just signed at 20 a year. And no offense to Keenan Allen, but I mean. Yeah. Uh, it kind of makes me wonder, though, if like teams are going to look at that Cardinals contract for Hopkins as an outlier. Because there's like a big gap between him and everybody else, like almost six million dollar gap. And, and, and you know and, who's not going to look at that as an outlier though? It's DK Metcalf in his yeah. agent. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing: it was a two year deal. It was DK a two year deal. Going to walk in that room, he's going to take off his shirt, and he's, he's going to throw his big I've fucking got dick four on the girls table. in the other room. <laughs> he's going to, you know, what he's going to say to Pete Carroll. Do you know how much money I can make on OnlyFans? You either give me only million. from Evan. Just you know, Evan subscriber. Just with one subscriber. If DK does that, you know what Pete turns around and does too, though, right? What is this? Is actually Evan on DK's OnlyFans. <laughs> hey, I pay for an enhanced subscription. Okay. So, I get special club access. No, I still want. I still, anyways, anyways, anyways. Uh, <laughs> I still want two firsts. I think I still want two firsts. Two firsts. Yeah. So God, they're going to have to pay him so much money. I'll be. I'll throw a few things out quickly. If and this is again back to the scenario of Pete and John stay. Russ goes. Um. I want Shane Waldron gone. I never want to see him calling a game again. I think he has shown. No ability before he came here that he knows how to call a football game, and he's shown no ability since. So I'm done with Shane Waldron. I think that's a disaster. Been a disaster. I don't think they'd fire Ken Norton, but I would love to see them do it. Uh, probably won't happen. But let's just Shane Waldron be gone. Um, I would cut Bobby. 
Um, I would cut bait. I would look to cut everybody who's on the wrong side of 30. I think one of the tough questions is what you do with Quandre Diggs. I think Diggs has played really well. He's 29. He's pushing right up against 30. Is he going to be a guy that you can be part of this rebuild with? I really think from a leadership and quality of play perspective, he could be a good safety for the next few years. So I, I probably sign Quandre, but I'm not sure. It depends on who's available in the draft. Did you say over 30 or 30 and above? 30 and above. Okay. That that's really bad news for Jason Myers. <laughs> Jason Myers would be the first cut. Like, oh, Jason's uh, 30. Actual literal cut. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. And, and I mean, I would, I think there's some tough choices on the offensive line in terms of Dwayne Brown. Um, I don't know if I'd re-sign him. Um, I would look at all other options. I would actually probably let him go and see how you do with young guys. As long as you got a quarterback that frankly is not your, your franchise guy. And you're just going to see if stone Forsyth or whoever else, you know, you draft can play that position. You want some fun news on Dwayne Brown? Yeah. You're paying him $3.5 million next year, whether you like it or not. Well, they're they rolling that money over now. So eh, yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, so so, I mean, those are, those are specific things I'm doing. And, and then as far as the draft picks, the priorities is offensive line, defensive line. And if the, mm-hmm. if the next year's draft, if you get some top picks and they are not, you don't have a quarterback to get, I actually think it's better off if you don't get your quarterback first. Like they are, not, up, even yeah. if they have like Russell playing great. This is not a Super Bowl roster with a great, even if Russell returns to MVP level, I still don't think that this is a Super Bowl roster. So, Doesn't this all kind of argue against the nuket option, though? Like, you, you don't have a great quarterback option in the draft. The best that you can probably help hope for in a trade is Justin Fields. Um, you know, you don't know how many firsts you can even get for rest at this point. It's probably still a couple, but who knows? You're talking about wasting a couple years of DK. You're talking about getting rid of guys like Diggs and probably Tyler Lockett, who are still very good NFL players. And so now that, like, yes, you are giving a return for rest, but you're talking about having to use it to replace guys you already have. So, like, it just seems like it's – this is the worst time for the franchise to implode. Like, a year ago even, if they had pulled the trigger a year ago, they would have been better off, I think. So, like, doesn't that all argue against – like, I, I we haven't talked about it, but, like, Rolling it back is maybe the best option this team has. But in or a Super Bowl to win a Super Bowl over Russell with a new coach. I mean, it's to me, it's one of those two. And I know I don't like, but like rolling it back's right up there. Like this team, from a point differential perspective, has a good chance or have a chance to end up better than the 2019 team. Like, that is extremely in play. They could end up with a better point differential than the 2019 team. I, I think Which, I mean, it's still very scenario, mediocre, yeah. but... Yeah, I think my ahead. favorite scenario would be... As my, Russell has been driving me crazy, and he, I've just been getting really... But I think my favorite scenario would be pairing Russell, maybe keeping John and bringing Doug Peterson in. I think that sort of fits the middle ground of where you can do the best of all three there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's... I don't know if that's going to happen, man. He's going to be a hot commodity. People are already lining up to interview those guys. I don't know if any of us see the Seahawks firing Pete. 
who knows? Period. Let alone doing it while the season's still going on. And you've got an inexperienced owner. Like, yeah, I think there's a lot to talk about Jody Allen. I think a lot of this is going to fall on Burt Cold. I think Burt Cold's the one with experience in these situations, been through it with Paul before. I think he's probably advising Jody quite a bit. And I think it's going to be, I, I think there should be reporters right now asking to interview Burt Cold. There should be people that are doing profiles on him and what parts he was in different parts of Blazer decisions that were made. Like there's information out there. He's the guy that I think is going to have a, he might have a bigger say. I think Jody might be the approver, but I bet he's the one that's really driving the decision here. So and there's been stories that Pete, I know Jason Lappenfora had this, and I believe someone else had this. Pete kind of implicated it too on his radio show. There are Lappenfora stories that outright that Pete does not want to rebuild without Russell. So that makes the decision really interesting. That was aligned directly in Lappenfora's story and goes back to what that John probably wanted to trade him last year and Pete blocked it. So that might really influence how Jody moves forward because. I think if they roll it back, Russell's going to ask for a trade. So, hmm. really this crazy. team sucks so much. It's so impossible to be mad at anyone. I know. Like, the... I'm so mad at Russ because he sucks right now. But, like, again, 16 months ago, we were talking about him as like a clear cut MVP choice. You know, fuck Pete Carroll and his stupid ass force down decisions and loving to run the ball. But, like, also, God damn it, John, won't you give him like some players to do anything with? But also, too, <laughs> like, we're sitting, I'm sitting here talking about how, like, this is the worst time to now have to trade Russell. And John, a year ago, was like, yes, it would be terrible to try to trade Russell in a year from now. So, like, who are you even – who am I mad at? I just – I'm – the team sucks. It hasn't been particularly good in years, and I don't know, like, I don't know who to be mad at. Well, and that's, Rashad Penny has become our best. Well, player. they've got an excellent. And Rashad, and Rashad Penny is our best player. Yeah, yeah, that's like that sums up the state of the team. Perfectly. Can I just say, like, when Jimmy Graham caught that touchdown, <laughs> I, I wanted to. <laughs> I literally, I literally wanted to end my shit. <laughs> that was horrible. Uh, that was that, painful. That was just the puke dressing on this nasty ass season um yeah look i i mean if i'm being really honest i mean no one wants to hear down and and you know i do i think the seahawks are gonna are in for the dark ages like i just think that's what's happening i think you talked about all the things even paul allen passing away like all these factors are just lined up to like negative direction like a bunch of things if they could have just been a little bit different maybe like if if russ would have taken off and stayed like nuclear like even just that you'd have something to hang your hat on i think there's i think there's a lot of reason to expect that russ is just never going to be great again he might be very good but like anyway like yeah there's not a lot and and so that's a big part where I'm like, throw all your cards back in and like, let's start getting a totally fresh deck. Um, new, new coaches, new people making decisions, new players, new leaders. 
And everyone's like, you could be the new next Giants or the Broncos or the Jaguars. Maybe. I mean, I'm willing to take that risk. But you also have the wealthiest owner in pro sports. Um, and in the past, they've spent money going after whoever. Jeff, you talked about, like, can you pry Sean Payton? Or, like, there are names that we might not even be thinking about that they could just decide to go after and get. So, yeah. Yeah. With that, let's let's uh, take some patron questions if we can. Uh, I know we're, we're past uh, the hour, so. Uh, well, Nathan, we us. have covered a lot of these Patreon questions. Uh, Kitty B asked about Quandre Diggs, who we did talk about a little bit. Um, she wants to know the chances that he's back and can we afford him? The last part, we absolutely can afford him. Um, I, I think it's reasonable to expect he'll be looking at something like $13 million a year. Uh, and it's always weird, right? You know, he'll probably be actually like six or seven million against the cap the first year and then it escalates. But um, just, you know, using that ballpark figure round table at 13 million a year for like three years. Brian, do you bring him back? Quandra Diggs? Irrespective of everything else, yes. I mean, there's a lot of yep. other things. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's the best idea, but I'm going to go with yes. I don't think this position's in teams in a position to get rid of good players right now. Evan. Yeah, I'd pay him that. He's 28. He'll be 31, almost 32. By the time that deal's done, I'd do it. You just don't, um, want, you just don't want Dana getting mad at you. <laughs> we cannot so suffer so the much rap money. It saved you 30 million. <laughs> I'll say this. I'd rather pay Quandre Diggs more money than I would Jamal Adams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Troy asked, uh, Troy Bacon asked if we end up keeping rest, who are the top free agent targets? I think we covered this, but unless unless there's somebody that y'all want to shout out there. Um, Not a quarterback? Yeah. If they keep Assuming rest, rest stays. They keep they rest. They need to sign Chandler Jones. Is he a free agent? He's a free agent. That's the guy they need to sign if they, they go. I would kind of love that. Yeah, yeah. Shit. That's just to steal them would be awesome. Well, they, they need a building block on the defensive line. They're paying JJ Watt there, so he's 31. Okay, fuck you it. Get a couple years out of him. Yeah, that's the guy. If they you go over us, you gotta sign him. I guess we just paid Carlos Dunlap, so whatever. Yeah, he's hey, he's good again yeah. uh, for like two games. Yeah, he waits until. The uh, how about Brandon Sheriff? I thought did you sign a one year deal last last he gets tagged, he, he right? gets tagged every year. Oh tagged. Okay. They yeah. tag him like every year now. I mean, you need a center though. Like, I mean, Jackson and Lewis are fine. I know they're not amazing, but I don't know. The guard doesn't really do it for me. Yeah. Go, Brian. <laughs> um Evan. Braxton wants to know what would you be willing to give Rashad Penny for a one year prove it deal? a max of two million is that even vet men uh it's higher than vet men okay yeah um do you guys all right so uh jeff do they end up keeping rasheem green and sydney jones soft season i'll say they keep sydney jones 
and Rasheem Green becomes our new Quentin Jefferson, <laughs> where we're all arguing about him for the next two years when they probably should have signed him, but don't for a cheap. Price. Who won that argument? Brian Nobody. was wrong. Nobody. Brian Everybody lost, lost that. Brian argument. was wrong. <laughs> Everybody Jeff, lost. Jared Jeff Reed. has been so good. How dare you? Wait, I missed that. Sorry, what did I say wrong about? You were you were just wrong on everything, Brian. That makes sense. I said <laughs> Rasheem Green is going to be the next Quentin Jefferson. Sidney <laughs> uh, Jones has been pretty good, though. I think Sidney Jones was wrong sign. about that. Let's, the quarterback let's group's actually fine. John Reed was pretty good, too. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a chance that they get a, a good deal with Jones trading for him and, and kind of rehabilitating him. So, um, DJ Burnett wants to know if there's any untouchable players going forward in the offseason. I think that's a no, right? I don't think we just talked about trading D, DK. So, who I could... don't think I think I, I wouldn't trade Daryl Taylor for anything. Mm. Um, you wouldn't trade Daryl Taylor for two first round picks, but you would DK. Oh, yeah, hell yeah. Oh, I'm very strongly disagree with that but not yeah. and like i like taylor I mean, which is not untouchable to me but that's not realistic for taylor no i don't do you, do you see what i'm saying realistic. yeah and i also feel like taylor in his first year you said he could be a second a secondary pass rusher there aren't many examples of seahawks in their first year that get six seven sacks and he can end up with more than that that don't end up becoming tier one pass rushers so uh, i think his his upside's pretty high getting outplayed by rasheem green right now so <laughs> probably also getting double more than rasheem green is um all right and then kb one last question we, we didn't talk about it yet the cam chancellor tweet um Ooh, yeah right <laughs> i uh, i'm interested to know if you guys have any opinions on this i think the most interesting thing out of the cam chancellor tweet is that Cam Chancellor is thinking about the future of this team. Like Cam Chancellor looks at this team and we can all read the tea leaves about what he means and that he secretly hates Russ and so does Cliff Averill because of his tweets too. But like these players are looking at the team and they're they're having the same conversations that we are. <laughs> like everybody looks at this team and was like, no, 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 no. This is bad. <laughs> like there's there this something has to change, right? They're, they're at an impasse. So that to me was the most interesting thing about the cam tweet. I don't know if if uh Brian will start with you if you have comments on the cam tweet. I tweeted about it. I mean, I think what I took from that is if Cam had something to say that he thought Pete wanted to hear or he could just pass through to Pete, he would have talk to Pete about it, but he said he wants to talk to Jody Allen. So I, I don't think that that necessarily is the greatest indication of that he wants to say something positive about Pete. Um, I also think that Cam probably has some points of view on the quarterback um, as well. But those, those are my two assumptions. I, I may be totally off. Jeff? Yeah, initially my thought was anti-Russ and there was another reporter who had the same indication the more i thought about it i've more shifted toward brian where i do think it's a little both because he's been pretty much a pete guy and i think there's something he probably wants to say that pete won't say and that might be just purely russell like there's that group of guys and made it clear that pete babied russell and maybe that's what he wants to tell jody allen but i think it's a combination of there's things he wants to say about pete but there's also things he wants to say about the quarterback evan you got anything on the cam the cam tweet 
yeah, I like chaos and um, <laughs> uh, more former vague tweets from former players. I'm all about it. Marshawn's in on those too. Like, yeah, yeah. What about Marshawn's comments? Did you see his Zoom name? No, what was it? His daddy with an I. <laughs> He's the best, dude. Okay, so I didn't actually get to, to listen to it. So does someone want to summarize what his comments were for That's, me? Uh, so, yeah, Jeff, do you want to do it? Well, one, he wants to buy into the Seahawks ownership. He wants to be a minority owner of the Seahawks. But he was way more pro-Pete than I would have guessed. I would have thought the Super Bowl and how that ended would have completely... But I guess he did come back that one year. But he was really believing in Pete fixing the team and moving forward with Pete. He should be fine. That's the guy you build around. I know he has like his role relationship with Pete before that Super Bowl was really strong. And but I would not have expected him to come out and be pro Pete. Uh, we all know kind of how he feels about Russell, but that surprised me. There's this really interesting thing with all these former players because. Like the divide in that locker room, like I think it's pretty well known that there was like a defense, like team Marshawn, team wrestling going, a team defense, team Marshawn and versus team wrestling going. And like I think Jeff, you said it like there were there's a lot of rumors and stuff that like Pete baby Russ or you know, it was held to a different standard and you know, and and the other guys too. Doug was part of this, part of the anti rest. Uh, I'm sure he'd, he'd block me on Twitter for hearing me say it that way, but for just to keep it short, uh, please don't block me, Doug. Um, but it's interesting because, like, it seems like at the heart of it, a lot of what these players are actually mad about is how Pete handled it. <laughs> so, like, it's this weird thing where, like, they it's this, you know, them versus wrestling. But also, like, it, so yeah, I agree. It's weird to hear, like, Marshawn come out in defense of Pete because of how he handled the Super Bowl. But, like, they also hate Russ, kind of, <laughs> or whatever the relationship is there. But, like, so, like, what does Cam Chancellor really think? Like, it's, it's really, it would be amazing to, you know, shoot him up with truth theorem and get him on the podcast oh, and ask him a bunch of questions. Yeah. I think that's, I don't think that criticism of Pete comes out enough. I think everyone focuses on the fourth downs and the old school philosophies. And I think one of the biggest criticisms that I have of Pete is exactly that. I think that some of the decisions he's made in the locker room and the roster decisions, I think he gets off the hook way too much on that because we all focus so much on his obviously terrible game management. And I don't think that criticism is out there enough. Yeah. I mean, I've said it before. I think it's, it is one of the, probably craziest ironies in any sport thing I've ever seen that the narrative is Pete's been like, there's a divide with Russ and he's somehow holding Russ back. If anything, I just think Pete just loves the hell out of Russ and is completely obsessed with Russ. And, and like, it's almost the opposite in some ways, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. Uh, were those all the questions or were there more? Uh, the last one was from Sam Brown uh, asking about Super Bowl trophies and how there's a lot we should be doing to get them and considering the draft is underwhelming and what would you do to get blue chip offensive defensive linemen? So basically the entire theme of the show to this point. So, nope, I don't think we have anything else. Can I, can I add a question? A fun question? Are yeah. you a Patreon member? He no. 
Evict Rose Evans. Um, I didn't know how to answer that question. Who are you guys rooting for in the playoffs to win the Super Bowl? The Bills. Bills. Nathan, Jeff. I hadn't even thought of this. It's no, I kind of like the Bengals. I was going to go Bengals too. I, I don't think they can do it, but like, I really like watching them play. Good one. Bills is a good one, though, too. Yeah. Uh, I guess, you know, my old fallback is just rooting for Sean McVay. So I'll go Rams. <laughs> oh, if the Rams won, <laughs> Brian would be, oh my God. I would yeah. never lose an argument again. <laughs> I know I got Andy Reid a couple of years ago. If I can get McVay now, I'm I'm bulletproof. Yeah, I mean it would be super impressive to win with the the best player in the NFL and a good quarterback and the best receiver in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> no talent advantage there. Um, I know we're we're ready to wrap. I I started I, for the last five minutes while you guys have been talking. I've been looking at the free agent list, the unrestricted free agent list for next year. We're not going to start on this. Let's do it. It is awful. It's awful. Yeah. It's I awful. Know. I went through it last week. They're old. They're all like 29, 30. Like, I will say, I was like, we got to sign Sidney Jones. Like, I was looking at it. He's like, he's 25. I'm like, holy shit. He's a must sign. Because, I mean, you're talking about like, do you want to sign Stefan Gilmore at 32? Like, for whatever he's going to cost? Um, like, the offensive line options are awful. I mean, there's some guards. I think maybe Cam Robinson is a question. Maybe he's 26 at left tackle. I don't know if he's any good, but like, woo, it's bad. It's I think some weird. of the best free agents are Seahawks. They might be. I mean, like Gerald Everett. Like Gerald Everett, Quandre Diggs, and Dwayne Brown might all be the best at their position on the free agent market. It's bad. I went through the same thing, Brian. It's. I kept scrolling and scrolling. I'm like, oh, maybe it's like the young guys that don't make any money. But like, it's so bad. There's going to be some really awful free agent contracts signed next year. Yeah, because the cap is way up this year. Is so, uh, is Ben Jones any good from Tennessee, the center? He's he's isn't he old, like ancient? Fuck. <laughs> I don't thirty-two. Yeah. By the way, last year was not just a quarterback draft; it was also a center draft. Uh, Wait, ben Jones is good. What do you guys mean? He's not a particularly good pass blocker. He's a good run blocker. Okay, but like his pass blocking apparently isn't bad. All right. Well, that would be news to me. I mean, he, why are you seeing him as a free agent? Yeah, free agent. And um, yeah, PFF really likes him, but I don't know anything about him. So who knows? I mean, honestly, the most exciting name I saw was uh, uh, Mike Kosicki. I love him. <laughs> I, I think he's awesome. <laughs> But he's 26 and he's going to get a boatload of cash. And I don't think that's the auction. You're not kidding, though. So just, you know, top names here and just going off like previous year's salary, right? Akeem Hicks and Dominican Sue, Calais Campbell. And then you have like Von Miller, Chandler Jones, JPP. Um, at, let's see here, left tackle, you have Cam Robinson, Taryn Armstead, Dwayne Brown. Um, Trent Brown at right tackle, who's good, but, you know, old. 
uh honey badger at safety i don't know how much you really want to be investing in safety and why would if you're gonna why don't you spend it Diggs, um anthony barr and donta hightower at linebacker it's just yeah stefan gilmore and joe hayden at corner like just old old ass names i don't think i've seen a free agent i've seen bad drafts i don't think i've seen a free agency group this bad yeah it's only wide receivers stack but none of those guys are going to actually hit the market alan robinson probably i don't know if he'll get tagged again 28 like i don't want to pay alan robinson (laughs) and then godwin probably gets tagged right Devonte adams getting signed Devonte's kind of old well here i know we're just rambling now but if they trade aaron Rodgers, which is a possibility let's say that the the packers don't go anywhere in the playoffs and 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 they trade aaron Rodgers, do you sign Devonte adams to a 30 million dollar deal or do you let him walk? Is that the move? Is that the move? Do you trade Russ and then just go for broke for Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams? What would you? Is that, that's like the only scenario that I've that I, I've heard tonight that makes me think, hell yeah, yeah. Great. What would you have to do? How would that work? John yeah. needs to like get all his Green Bay contacts somehow, and like I, I mean, you have to tamper like hell, and yeah, you. How do you think? It. Pete Carroll's pro vaccination campaign is going oh, to yeah. uh, nope. so work not with happening. Rogers. Not oh, happening. Man. No, you'd have to fire Pete. Literally off the table. You'd have to hire. Like, I'm just saying. Set that oh, you're not wrong. No, yeah. no, set that set that aside. I, I I am intrigued. Like, what would that even look like? You'd have to trade Russell for like a stack of picks and then flip those picks back to Green Bay. Fuck. That. I, I think Evan's right though. I don't think you can do it because of the vaccination thing. I can't imagine Pete and Aaron on the like, dude. Pete would bend any rule to <laughs> to get. I don't know to get a good quarterback. I mean, I don't I know think, if I buy that. I if COVID was still around or is still around. Well, yeah, that, that's another question. I mean, at this point, it seems like everybody's going to get it, <laughs> no matter yeah. what your status is. But, um. Yeah, I mean, could you trade Russ uh, Russ to Green Bay for Rodgers? Send him back to Wisconsin. I mean, honestly, would they would they consider that? I probably not because they have Jordan Love, right? They probably yeah, don't. Jordan want. Love. Oh, I don't think that factors. But speaking of quarterbacks who look like shit. <laughs> Gonna go yeah, trade. Would they, would they like two? Would they like a more expensive one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, dude. oh, that hurts. That hurts, man. Oh, DK would be pretty good. I mean, with Rogers too. I mean, if you're a Packers fan, you don't want the Packers to trade Aaron Rodgers, right? Like well, Packers fans are weird. Yeah. But like, he's gonna be the MVP again. Like, I don't care how old he is. He's the MVP. He's 38. He will be 39. I could see Rodgers going a couple more years. That motherfucker has made a deal with the devil, and I hate every second of it. Man, I don't know, man. That would just be – that'd be a little bit like the Peyton Manning thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I'd be in on that. He's got a Super Bowl out of it. Yeah, I'd be in on that for sure. They got two Super Bowls out of it, actually. Um just one one ring um all right well i was thoroughly entertained by that conversation so 
screw anybody who is looking for something else. We didn't talk about the Lions one bit. We barely talked about the Bears game because who fucking cares? It was they're they're meaningless. They're annoying. Uh, we will do a post game shows because I, I find those entertaining. Evans kind of won me over uh, on post game shows. Okay, but if we lose to the Lions. We have to. You have, have to, to be the best one. post-game show. No, I, 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 no, I'm not saying we won't do one. I'm just saying, like, I'll kill myself. Okay, we do have, <laughs> we it's not do just the Lions. It's Jared Goff, too. Let's we'll, we'll do predictions around, around the ta- round table. Uh, Evan, what will be the score of the Seahawks game this weekend, and who will win? Lions 31, Seahawks 28. Nice. Jeff? Lions 30, Seahawks 27. Oh shit, bro! <laughs> you guys, come on. There's no way the Lions are score. Have you watched the Lions? They can't score thirty. They're gonna score twenty four. Seahawks twenty four, twenty three. Jared Goff lights up the Seahawks. Okay, I will complete the 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 quartet and say uh, Lions uh, twenty seven, Seahawks twenty one. Uh, so, just- I mean, I like Dan Campbell. I think he's fun. Yes, he is. I, they play hard. They play really hard. They, yeah, they may be a team that actually has a bigger upside in a few years than people realize. Not okay. necessarily with Jared Goff as quarterback. I, I have one last question. One yeah. last question. We talked about what was the most likely, you know, scenario for next year. Blah blah blah. The combination and everything like that. Is there? Anything that could happen over the next two weeks? Like, do these two games have any bearing, any impact on the job security, the combination potential of any of the main players for next year? Like, if the Seahawks lose out, is Pete Carroll's chances affected? Is John Schneider's chances affected? If Russell looks like shit, are his chances affected? Like, do these games if, even matter? If, if the players give up on the season then it, it does matter for Pete, for sure. So they would have to get blown out, basically. Yeah. If you're I, seeing, yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. I don't think Russell as much. I think Pete, uh, I think you saw Jody, I think you saw ticket prices to the game last week. I think this is impacting their bottom line. And they got pretty badly embarrassed losing to a third-string quarterback last week at home. I think if you repeat that and you follow up and you lose to the Lions at home, I think that has to change Pete's future. If you're Jody Allen and you're looking at purely from a business perspective, it's hard to generate fan interest. And, and their tickets going for like 20 bucks last week. So if you embarrass yourself, I don't think anything Russell do will change his future. But I think that I think if you lose to the Lions and Bears back to back at home, I think that's a decision that could sway Jody for sure. On the Peter Seahawks Jones. are two and five at home this year. Their two wins are against the Jags. And the 49ers. <laughs> Imagine how bad you have to be to lose to the 2021 Seattle Seahawks. Not once, but twice. Oh, I love that. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, Nathan, do you have any point of view on what Evan asked? No, I think you guys nailed it. Like, if they collapse, that's really bad for Pete. But otherwise, it, nothing matters. Yeah. I, I really wish we could see Jacob Eason play. I, I would really like to see that, I, you know, just just out of curiosity. Um, but we won't see it. It won't happen. All right, boys. Any other last fleeting thoughts? Um, I mean, honestly, I could talk with you guys. I'm super interested in getting into 
the you like it when I hit my always <laughs> your favorite, Nathan. That was for you. I missed it. Did you get nailed again? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I knocked it again. It knocked wasn't it. as good, but man, it, it really brought back the memories. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am really actually morbidly fascinated by what's going to happen for this team. And I really do want to see who makes it. It's going to be, we're going to learn a lot about Jody Allen. And no matter how you feel about this, from here on out, this is on Jody Allen. Mm-hmm. Like you can hate Pete, love Pete, hate Russ, love Russ, whatever. This is on Jody Allen. So this is her first moment. Um, and it's a pretty big one. So uh, I hope she's, she's ready for it. I hope she's got the medal for it. Um, and uh, thank you everyone who tuned in. If you haven't already click subscribe, click the like would appreciate a like doesn't take more than a second to click the thumbs up. And uh, go over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger, join, get immediate access to the Slack channel. And we've been giving away tickets to Seahawks games. We gave away five last week, including two club seats. Uh, So a lot of folks having good experiences, even in a awful, awful season. I thought we were trying to encourage people to join the (laughs) Patreon. You know, it's an experience, Evan. You know, to, to go to your first Seahawks game, uh, you know, my first Seahawks game was, oh God, way, 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 way back in the kingdom. So um, I don't even remember who it was, but um, it's always good. It's always good to go to a Seahawks game. Um, we will see you for post-game show uh, this Sunday. And God, I don't even know what I'm hoping for, guys. Like at this point, after they lost to the Bears, it's like, whatever. I mean might be entertaining to see the Lions just go all over them. But I know come to game day, I'll be cheering for the Seahawks to win. So, all right, with that, take care, everybody. Good night, and uh, 